This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Mile High Hockey Lab. Mile High Hockey Lab. Hello, welcome to the Mile High Hockey Lab podcast hosted by Mile High Hockey, um, presented by Mile High Hockey, I guess, or uh, featuring Mile High Hockey. All of those things are true. <laughs> um, I am your host, Ezra Barter, joined by a bunch of other writers from our staff. Uh, all our favorites are here. Uh, everyone who's not here is not not a favorite. They just haven't been on the <laughs> podcast before. Um, <laughs> as I said, joined by by a bunch of folks. Uh, uh, let's uh, let's introduce ourselves, everybody. Um, I, uh, I'll, I'll start with you, Evan. Sup, 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 managing editor. Woo, woo. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. That's exactly what I was picturing yeah. when I said That was great. Uh, uh, <laughs> Jacob, your sound effect and title, please. Yeah, just gotta gotta calibrate the sounds to the 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 names, right? So yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm Jacob. I'm a I'm a writer here at uh, MHH. Whoop 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 whoop. And Jackie. <laughs> hello, hello. You all know who I am. Yeah, I need no introduction. <laughs> yeah. No introduction. Needs. That's right. <laughs> and uh, uh, our producer as well, Adrian. Hootie who? What up? Hootie who? Now uh, it's been a while since we've all been on the pod together. I, I know we have a lot of avalanche stuff to get to. We're going to talk about Kale McCarr. We're going to talk about other injury news. We're going to talk about the deadline, and we're going to talk about some potential trade targets, and we're even going to talk about Martin Cout again, even though he's not an av anymore. <laughs> but before we do, I mean, is everybody is everybody doing okay? We haven't had av, an Avs game in a couple of days. Who's going through withdrawals? Me. Yeah, it's nice the, to have yeah. one day off, but after that, no. it's like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Am I supposed to do it? And I watch TV? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been watching them the the day after uh, uh, t- on uh, just you know like the next morning, and now my mornings are like slow, and I'm actually doing my day job. It's it's good. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess let's get right into it. So Kale McCarr is concussed, um, and he was concussed, and then he played, and then he was concussed again. Uh, do you think that the organization mishandled the situation or do we not know enough to make that determination? Uh, Evan, I'll start with you. I don't think they mishandled it. It's, it's more so just a really inconvenient, I feel like, I think, actually, first off, I have bad things to say about Jeff Carter that I wish I could share here, but I cannot, uh, cause that, that, that's where this kind of all originated. Right. Um, so you know, obviously, Makar is able to finish out, you know, both the Pittsburgh game and also the Blues game. And, you know, the Blues game that, Tor- that Torpochenko, you know, I guess kind of punched to the face, I guess, was more inadvertent than, you know, Carter just going through the head of Makar, right? Um, someone I'm I'm a, not as upset about. It's more so just like the storyline continues, right? Like, it, it's mm-hmm. just unfortunately just kind of how it all goes out. Um, and, you know, I... I think personally, like if Makar was feeling good and was feeling fine and he passed concussion protocol, then I don't see why you don't play him, right? I mean, if he felt that way, then he felt that way and good enough to return against the Blues. Um, but even then, you know, it's just like a, it's just a disappointment. And it's, I think that's really the best way I can say it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, I mean, he, he clears protocol. He comes back into the game. That that makes total sense. Uh, and then a couple days later, he, he he's or the next day, he's he's feeling bad. He sits out a couple more days, comes back after playing the protocol again and gets hit again and, and doesn't even go into the concussion protocol on the Torpchenko hit. It's it was just a, he thought his nose was was hurting. So he went to the room to get that checked out because it was bleeding. But um, it, it does seem like I don't know what the solution is because you, you can't really say like, okay, a guy has a concussion. Well, then he has to sit at least five days. Like that, that well, doesn't work. You that, know? That's, that's the thing too with concussions is that sometimes they don't hit you right away. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, Which was I'll, the case. I'll speak. 
Yeah, I'll I'll speak from personal experience because I've had three concussions and they're not fun. Mm. Let me tell you. But like the first concussion I got, I was during a soccer game. I got kicked in the face of the ball. It was no fun. Ooh, yikes. Uh, and I it the first symptom. I like I finished out the game. I was fine. I I didn't start feeling bad until that car drive home, mm-hmm. and that was. I don't know, probably about an hour after the game had ended, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so could have been the same for Kale. Like it could have been, could have been overnight, right? right? And then there's other times where it might hit you instantly, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's that was my second concussion. Uh, that's not, I actually got kicked in the face instead of the ball to the face. And like as soon as I was kicked, I immediately felt dizzy and I immediately felt foggy. Like it, it's all very, it just very much depends, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not like a. It's not a one size fits all for concussions. So at least it sounds like in this case for McCarr that like, you know, he felt fine after, you know, after like sitting in the quiet room, maybe took, you know, five, 10 minutes to sit in the quiet room, felt okay, was, was given, I guess, the pass to keep going and keep playing. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean you're never not going to feel symptoms again maybe later that night or later that or the next morning that Makar had right Right. so it all just kind of it all just depends like there's not it's not really something the abs could have controlled and it's just uh, the nature of head injuries and in sport as a whole so Mm -hmm. there's not really any blame that you can you can put anywhere except for jeff carter but you know it's just like (laughs) it's just a disappointment that's all. Yeah, and yeah. I I wonder too though like speaking in, with experience with concussions too Evan like I know like back in the day the tests were pretty like I don't know not very involved and not probably not very thorough. I imagine that is not the case in the in a, a professional organization. So it's like if we're willing to trust this organization with like decisions that involve, you know, young men I think that that trust is something that they've earned. You know, look at how they handled the Bowen Byram situation. Other teams might have pressured him back sooner, um, you know, maybe given him less of a leash in terms of coming back and then, you know, going back into injured reserve and stuff like that. So I don't think, like you said, Evan, that it's like as big of a deal as people are leading on. Um, A lot of people are upset and say, like, how do you let the best defender in the world get two concussions uh, in 11 days? Well, that's the nature of a head injury is the mystery of it. And that's why it is taken, you know, very seriously now in the league and in basically every professional league right now. So. Yeah. This is like a, to a Tagovailoa coming back in and looking obviously concussed while he's playing. This is, this is somebody who was fine, cleared protocol and came back to play. Yeah. Uh, NHL handles it differently than. than I'd say for for me, the only, um, like, sure, a lot of it is hindsight because you look at, like, Lekkanen, and he went through the protocol. He's He came back after a week, and he's been fine. So uh, I don't have any problem with him, how they handled it the first time it happened, the protocol he went through. Like, I think he could have come back the Minnesota game if you go by, like, the, the time he was required to have off. And Kale's always been a lot more cautious with himself than mm-hmm. other players. I think you look at certain players uh clearly push themselves like i i would count gerard as one of them who always seems to come back sooner than anticipated like makara has always been a little bit more cautious and took time i remember a couple years ago it just seemed like it went on and on and on it was like he's almost coming back but no not quite not quite so i think he is pretty cautious with himself and we'll see how that that plays out with his latest return which he's already back on the ice but i do feel like this might take longer than people expect. Like, I know there's a lot, Oh, is it too early? Should he not be on the ice? But like, there's no problem with him being on the ice because like, I've read a lot of new research and it says sitting around is not considered helpful anymore. Mm -hmm. It's uh, doing activity and, and managing your symptoms through that is seems to be more the protocol. So um, I'm fine with that. It just, it's a matter of when he's actually going to play. And I think that might take longer than people anticipate, but the only problem I have is him playing again in that St. Louis game because mm-hmm. it was the third period. They right. like they already had the lead. Like back, that game right? was over. Yeah. And that yeah. was his first game back too, right? So like he hadn't even gone through a full game and recovery after the game. So even though they said it was all about his nose and nobody suspected his head, I mean, I don't really buy that. It, it, <laughs> it just, <laughs> it's just yeah, such well, an excuse 
you know, it's it gave them an excuse when they were like, we weren't even thinking it was a head injury because he wasn't pulled by the concussion spotter. But then he didn't go through protocol and sit in the quiet room because there wouldn't have been time. The game would have been over. Right. So and they were going by how he said he felt good mm-hmm. enough. Like he's been a guy, like I said, that's been very cautious about his returns in the past. But there was no need for him to take three shifts to finish out that mm-hmm. game. <laughs> Especially <laughs> I when looked you... it up. It was three shifts. Yeah. It just to me that was a little silly. But I also don't think that's why he woke up not feeling yeah, good. I don't same. think it's because he played three shifts. And now he has to sit out longer because of it. Yeah. And like to double down on that too, Jack, it's like there was nothing to be won. And he already had a delayed reaction to a concussion in the first circumstance. So you almost would, would have thought that they would have been like, well, it's his nose, but for now, who knows in Mm -hmm. the, in the next couple hours, maybe we should just let him go. We have another break, yada, yada, yada. So I agree with you on that, Jackie, like that, 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 I think people are right to question that decision for sure. Yeah, it's it's a little strange to say, oh no, we just thought he got popped in the nose, but no, there, there's no there's no head injury yeah. there. It's like where do you think his nose is? <laughs> and also, like the idea that nobody considered, like, hmm, this guy who just had a concussion is back for one game, got hit in the head. I, I, there's no head injury to worry yeah. about. Like the, the concept, yeah. the concept there doesn't tr- doesn't yeah. track at all. Exactly. Whether it's well, just true the or reaction not, he had too. Like he was just very much like whoa, and you just yeah. like I don't think the contact was that extreme for that reaction. So like to me, I felt like when he reacted that way, it was like oh, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. like bothered him. Yeah. I get yeah. So, Why didn't the concussion spotter pull him? That's the real question. <laughs> that, that too. <laughs> Like we can ask but, that question once a week, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah true, true. We started this talking about how the NHL handles concussions well, and we're already immediately at how yeah. looking at yeah. <laughs> which it, it that's what's so complicated about the whole thing is that, uh, from an audience perspective, we can't tell what's right, we can't, we don't, and, and yeah. it's like the medical professional side of it, they, they can't really either because mm-hmm. it's yeah. well, everyone's different. That's the problem with concussions yeah. is there's no like one standardized way to like really say, this is how everyone has to, has to go. Cause like you saw with the Lekkonen, you know, stuff, it, he was good to go in a week, but with Makar, it's lingering. And you just like, you just don't know. This is still, you know, very an unfolding science that we're still learning more and more about every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, so hopefully he recovers quickly and, and, and it's not uh uh, not anything that we have to talk about too often for too much longer. Um, but uh, what do y'all think? Should, should teams be required to be more transparent regarding injuries, uh, head, head injuries specifically, but any injury? I would love it. <laughs> it's just silly having to play these games and then all people end up doing is guessing and um, speculating. And I don't really think that does anybody any good. I don't think it does the team or the player. Like, they didn't even admit Byram had a concussion the his whole entire first year. Right. Like they he had to have put an article in the athletic and actually admitted it himself before they even acknowledged what it was. I just think it's silly. I it, it seems like it's just insulting everyone's intelligence. I mean, I understand like the players have right to privacy and and certain things. Like they don't have to divulge every little nitty-gritty detail, but it does, it just feels so silly. I, I hate the way that it is hockey culture and then the abs take it one step further. It's just like, this is ridiculous. Come on. Let's just be honest. You know, like when Landy had another setback, just be honest. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. what, what does it help? And then everyone's like, what's happening? Where is he? Like, this is the timeline. This is the week he's supposed to be back. It, like, I don't, I just don't think that it's better for anybody to have to go through that. Just, just say like, this is the real timeline. This is the update. And then the same thing, like they spend half of Benner's press conference going through it. And I'm sure he gets annoyed about with it too. But if if somebody was just gave a clear, concise injury update once a week, that would probably cut out like 80% of the questioning. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I hate it. I definitely think there should be some sort of rules in place, at least for certain, like, like I said, like a once weekly honest injury update and then then everyone can move on well and like if you gamble not saying i do not saying i don't (laughs) but if you gamble on sports too like that should that that's a pretty influential thing like one of my buddies he was super pumped he's like oh i have kill mccarr to score first tonight i'm like he's not playing so (laughs) you hope and and what happens in that scenario is his bet was just void 
And so he just had his money lingering in that transaction until the game was over so that the bet itself could void. So, I mean, th- there's even some legality in that. Like we're talking about a betting agency holding on to, say, 20 bucks of somebody else's money for three to four hours when it's not a viable transaction. So I feel like there's a ton of levels to why they should be more transparent. One, it shields them from criticism aka this kale mccarr situation if they could have been if they were more uh transparent with his initial concussion then we would have you know i think they we would have been able to lay out the timeline of what happened and why and people wouldn't have as many questions but it's that lack of communication where people kind of don't give them the benefit of the doubt and just think that they're a, a win hungry franchise and that they're willing to do whatever it takes and i just don't think that's the case so I think it would just help. And like you said, Jackie, the Bednar stuff, um, like you said, he's probably so sick of being asked every single week, where's Gabe Landeskog at? How's Gabe Landeskog doing? You know, so I don't know. What do you think of that, Evan? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I mean, we've all been asking that that question. I'm sure Bednar has also been asking that question himself, and that's probably why he's been getting frustrated with right. it, <laughs> you know? So um i mean the nice thing is is that he's he's at least started skating on monday um skated again today um at least today he he looked as though he's he's doing a a little more work like not he wasn't just going out for a stroll like he was on monday it kind of seemed like um a little more work today and i saw him shooting some at the end he was out there for a little bit longer um so you know you know, and they hope that he's going to return soon and then Gabe and then and not Gabe, but then that Bednar won't get those questions. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know that I I posed it yesterday in our in in our piece about Landis Scott coming back is that like, you know, we we've been through this already twice, twice already this season of like, you know, you know, he's, he's coming back. This recovery is going to happen. Oh, wait, no, he had a setback. All right. He's we be back in January. Oh, wait, no, oh, another setback. All right. He'll be back in, in February. Oh, no. Now, now we don't know. And now it's been rumored mid-march i know that that was the last thing that i saw um but you know we just never we just don't really know right now and that's kind of the beauty of all this and to kind of tie it all back together it's it's funny because i remember seeing on twitter earlier this week about somebody was trashing sports center um twitter because you know of course they they follow basketball and do all of that but it was also like lonzo ball is like out with like this huge like dynamic situation da, 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 da. and it was like a really long tweet about like basically he's just tired and he can't play just like, <laughs> like where like where where is that descriptor for for hockey injuries right happen, right like it's it heavy legs that was like my husband's favorite thing when like Tulowitzki couldn't play like 20 years ago is like because he had heavy legs. So <laughs> he always uses that one now. He's like, oh, does McKinnon have heavy legs? I'm like, stop. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, like I noticed, like like you said, Evan, like Landis Gog is taking it easy. Ezra, do you think he comes back before the playoffs in the middle of the rounds of the playoffs or like right when the playoffs start? What do you think? I mean, first of all, obviously, I don't have any uh, information right. as to what he's going to do, but I, I do think with him skating now, that's that's a much more promising uh, outlook than the previous ones that we that Evan mentioned, where we had setbacks uh, when we were expecting him back sooner. Now that he's actually on the ice in Denver, and and uh, I I was hearing speculation that he was he was on the ice in his other rehab stints, just not in Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's been skating, and he is skating now. Um, uh, I think that's a I think that's a promising sign. I think I, I imagine the team wants to get him back in action before the playoffs actually start, just to get him up to speed. Because yeah. missing a whole season, it, it's not easy to jump in in the middle of it, in even in regular season games. To jump in in the playoffs, I mean, we're not gonna. It, it, he's not gonna be uh, 35 goal Gabe Landeskog right away, uh, 40 goal Gabe Landeskog right away. He's gonna be. Uh, a third line player probably to start and and if he works his way back up to the top that's great but uh but i would i would expect to see him work himself back in slowly probably in some april games that's my guess okay yeah that's to me i feel like that's a reasonable timeline i want him back like you said before the playoffs for the same reason especially because he plays that position you know like where he's constantly in front of the goalie just getting hacked on and i think like Mm -hmm. that's a calloused experience like it's not something you can just like 
immediately get used to. You're going to have to kind of wear some of those before the playoffs, and they're, they come in, a, in their harshest form when mm-hmm. playoff hockey rolls around. So I agree. I agree with that completely. Yeah, Jacob, what do you think? Yeah, I, they, I think they have to bring them back before the playoffs, particularly because, you know, you look at it like if this had happened last year, um, that opening series against Nashville, that's a way that you could have eased, you know, him back back into the lineup. That's yeah. not a, you know, they weren't a serious threat. They didn't need Landeskog to, to win that series. But like, you know, if they right now, they might face like the Wild in the first round. And that could be, you know, a real grueling playoff series. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, not the environment that you, you need Landeskog to ramp up uh, in. And so... I, you know, the end of their schedule, I've written about this before, it's filled with cupcakes. And I, I kind of think that they've always looked at the, you know, the back end of the schedule against the San Jose's and the Arizona's and the Montreal's saying that like, these are the games where we, we want to get Gabe in against, you know, a, a bunch of young players or, you know, teams that, that are tanking that are starting beer league guys trying to get, you know, Connor Bedard. And that's, that's how we're going to ease Landis Gog back into it as opposed to, you know, toss him into the fire against like Tampa Bay two times in, you know, in a week in this, in this last stretch. So I'm not too concerned, you know, you know, with how this has unfolded, it's, you know, the initial reports after the, the surgery was sometime between January and February. So right now we're looking at essentially kind of a month longer than uh, we had initially anticipated, which I don't think is necessarily the, the end of the world. Um, particularly for a guy like like Landeskog, that you know he has such a greasy game that I think that as soon as he kind of gets back back up to speed, it's it'll be a lot easier for him to you know get back into it as opposed to a high you know a high skilled player like McKinnon who might take a week week or so to really like you know get his hands back back in shape. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, go ahead. Um, yeah, I was gonna say that that's a good point. I really don't think that they want him to start like right away in the playoffs and I think last year that wasn't even the plan I think they had hoped that he could have played in those last maybe like two weeks and then he didn't and so right like this year's playoffs could be a little bit more challenging and and he he's been out like a year basically a year like this whole problem started like a pretty much a year ago at this point so um I I do think they ideally want him to to play and to get reacclimated and and the schedule is a good point like if you're playing teams that maybe aren't trying to win or with a lot of inexperienced players in those rosters, it could be easier environment for him, which is also, I don't think they wanted to do like the LTRR thing with him, which I'm sure we'll get into later. But um, so I think it all fits. My thing is, is like, even if he doesn't feel a hundred percent awesome, I think he's going to try anyway, because if you're not coming back now, you're not coming back. So Mm -hmm. I think he's going to maybe push through anything because there have been so many starts and stops and and setbacks I think he's just gonna go for it and my concern still is kind of like the long term like is this really behind him now after all of this how is he gonna feel after he plays for a certain length of time so I do feel confident that he will play but um, we'll just yeah we'll just have to see how he looks how long he can play for all of that Definitely. This, this, uh, miss, missing a whole year in your 30s screams problem. But, yes. Uh, we'll see. Uh, um, uh, Evan, anything you want to add to this, uh, this part of the discussion? No, I, I mean, I, I think generally speaking, it's the wanting to come back and, you know, maybe rushing back is also just a part of hockey culture, just generally speaking, because you think about, you think about that kind of all all the time. Is you saw it with Landis Scott during the playoffs last year. It didn't take any morning skates. Didn't take any practices. It was always there for the game, mm-hmm. pushing through it. You know, mm-hmm. just sticking to hockey culture. And that that in itself can be like a bigger discussion that maybe we could have another time. But like, you know, that's just kind of what it is. And I I think Jackie kind of leads us into a good point with with LTIR stuff and how it all just kind of connects to everything. So um, I did I, I did want to ask. Good- one quick quick point. before we completely move on from Landy. Um, one quick question I probably should have already asked, but do you okay. think that he will or should have like a conditioning stint with the Eagles before Whoa. he comes back? That's interesting. I, I don't think so. <laughs> but it is a good idea. Yeah. I mean, it does it does happen. Like it's not completely unrealistic, especially yeah. for players that have missed a, a lot of time and yeah. to do something short like you know even just a weekend 
especially when he hasn't played. And I know that the Avs just love to to put their regulars back in because because their regulars even at like eighty percent and rusty are better than the the guys that were, would replace them. But I think in his like Byram had the conditioning stint last year, and yeah, part of it's because he's still a young guy, but yeah. I think it was also they needed to get him kind of up to like NHL speed. And I think Landy could be a good candidate for that. Yeah. I was going to bring up the Byron point because I know he did that last year. I think you would know the answer to this question, Jackie, would there be any, like, would he have to like pass waivers? How, how would that work? No, every team's allowed to do that. So he would still be on the cap. He's still like on the roster. So he doesn't like leave. So no, you don't have to like wave him to get him down. It it's obviously limited. I think it's limited to like two weeks or five games, something like that. So, and then I think you can ask for an extension because the circumstances are extenuating. I think you could get like another week or something, but it's definitely limited. So um, yeah. So one or two weekends is not a problem, and and he's he would be technically on the Avs roster while it's happening. It would definitely be interesting. I'm, it, I'm just trying to imagine Landeskog in a Eagles jersey right now, and it's <laughs> the coolest it's thing I've ever funny. heard. I know it, it would, it would sell out. That Budweiser. fan base oh, would lose their minds. Oh yeah, I, it would be the I, highest selling like week of Eagles history. I know yeah. that's what I'm. I, that's, if that happens, like because I'm, I'm in and around the area right now, I would so go like that'd be awesome to yeah. see to see that and just see the energy in that building well it's like oh the ticket prices <laughs> yeah i don't yeah i don't know if you guys remember though like when the uh not to get too far off topic but when the rockies had um an aa a triple a or double a affiliate in colorado springs called the sky Sox, a lot of the time guys just like this big name guys coming back from injuries who just needed to take a lot of hacks would play for the Sky Sox and Springs, I think even like Troy Tulowitzki at one point, uh, Matt Holiday at one point played for the Sky Sox. So like that would be epic to go up to Vale and see the Avalanche captain, probably captain the Eagles for a night or a few nights. <laughs> that would be so cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I don't think you awesome. could take Brad Hunt's C though. I don't know. They, yeah. they definitely give, give him, him the, an A. Give him the third. No C, give him three A's. It would be yeah. it would definitely be fun. It would definitely be a lot of fun. And also because you mentioned Rockies, shout out Purple Row and our yeah. and their SB Nation covering the Rockies. Go give them a follow because yeah. we're gonna try and do some things with them to help us survive a little bit longer. Yeah. So shout out to them. But anyway, we're way off topic now. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, let's Ezra. get back on topic. One there's something <laughs> we mentioned just briefly right before before we derailed. Uh, was the long time long term injured reserve situation? Uh, obviously, um, the Avalanche are dealing with more injuries than just Landis Gog and McCarr. Uh, EJ is uh, Eric Johnson is uh, probably done for the season. He's got a broken ankle. Bednar didn't answer directly that he was done for the season, but basically agreed um, when asked recently. Um, so, and and of course, Pavel Francis is also out now for a couple of weeks. He will be back before the end of the season. It looks like. But uh, with uh, with EJ, um, uh, do you do you expect the Avalanche to be using the LTI, putting him on LTIR to to use up cap space heading into the deadline? Uh, 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 Jacob, we'll start with you. Um, I mean, it really, I think it depends on how the Avs want to approach it. You know, just a, a quick Google search says that a broken ankle recovery timeline is is six to eight weeks. And so that is effectively does put him down for the rest of the regular season. You know, uh, the optimistic take is that maybe he could return for the final week or two of the season. And so I think that's probably what's in the back of the Avs mind is, do they want to use that, you know, six million to go uh, or to free up that six million to go, you know, big game hunting out on the trade market? Or if they don't feel like they need to go and, and get a, you know, make make a big deal, maybe they do value the the potential that, hey, maybe he comes back like a week early and we can ramp him up for, for the playoffs, uh, you know, b- before then. I think that a lot of it, it, it depends on how, how the apps look at their team as is. I don't think that the, the Lent or the EJ injury changes a whole lot as far as, um, you know, their, their thinking on, on the trade market. I think it's just a, a lot more, it, is there existing stance we need to go out and, ma- and make a, a splash? And if so, then, you know, 
forget the hope that that EJ might come back for you know a few games but before the playoffs stick him on long-term IR see if maybe he, he could play in the playoffs because you know if not England's been doing a, a pretty good job this year as, as a fill-in for him in the sixth defensive spot yeah yeah I, yeah I, I also um I, I agree with you that like probably in a perfect world they'd want EJ to play before the playoffs but it does get into like how much is it worth it if it means that you have this six million dollars and and they have a lot more flexibility in other areas like I think they would have gotten a lot of scrutiny if they try to do Landeskog that way and it would call into the Kucherov thing and yada yada but like because EJ had played I think every game up until that point and it's obviously I mean they're all legitimate injuries but just nobody is going to question that one like he's going to need so much time to skate to come back. And it's like the abs don't really play the in LTIR games very much in general, but it seems like this would be the situation for them to do it if they ever were going to. And I don't necessarily mean that like changes their strategy because um, I don't know. I, I think you kind of have to like know which lane you're in to begin with. And I don't really think they can go, big game hunting like who's left anyway other than Kane but um I think it frees them up because then they don't have to watch every single penny that comes in like if if they're not going to do LTIR I don't know if they can add anything they have like a hundred thousand dollars cap space like Mm -hmm. (laughs) they have nothing so I just um and they really have nothing that they can move off of the NHL roster to like money in money out kind of thing so um i think they're just gonna have to do it if they want anything yeah and so i think that's just kind of where they're at at this point and and especially this season you can't just assume that you're gonna have no injuries and be able to operate outside of ltir like just can't so um i'd love to see them use that financial flexibility and maybe take on some bad money or be the broker team and use maybe like two three million that way because it's a way for them to get assets that they could use now or later but that's not really how they operate so we'll see yeah and just to bounce off of that jackie like typically you don't see the avs do the whole make a big splash and um i did a live tweet but i did it before the show today because i figured it'd be better to have a little bit more feedback to kind of react to um and that poll of the week was on our twitter account which everybody go check us out we're at mhh underscore lab that's at mhh underscore lab um i said the trade deadline is fast approaching if the avalanche send ej to the ltir how should they proceed option number one make a splash with a rental option number two bolster depth with resignable acquisitions option number three find another shutdown defender option four other and ride in um i'll just bounce it back to you ezra because i don't think you would get to answer otherwise <laughs> so what's your answer to this question and well you uh, know why? i actually just went to our our twitter and and answered uh, on the poll uh i, I i'd say bolster depth with resignable players and i think that does uh, it's interesting the way you phrase it because i think that kind of covers the acquire shutdown d for me like that's the depth same, that i want to add as a defenseman okay. and a defenseman and uh, a winger is what i would add a middle six winger if you can and I don't really care if they're resignable, honestly. Uh, but I do think, uh, I do think that putting EJ on LTIR is necessary to do that because, like Jackie was saying, there's no money without that. Mm-hmm. The, the apps weren't able to accrue cap space leading up to the deadline like they did last year to make all that, all the trades they did last year possible, uh, because uh, they've had to um, have people on LTIR to to make things work during the season with all the injuries that they've had. So. There's not much money to work with. EJ has to go to LTIR if they're going to bring in anybody who's got any kind of contract, really. Um, and and I think that's the way to go. Uh, I I think uh, a guy like uh, well, we can get into more details of, of yeah, we'll get there later in the show. But that that's what I'm thinking. Uh, let me give you the results was... real quick. So yeah, right. Out of 304 votes, we had 45% say make a splash with the rental. Seems like the emotional selection. Um, <laughs> Bolster depth at 33%, acquire shutdown D at 17%, and 5% other. Some of those write-ins were um, absolutely should try to bring Luke Shen and Nick Benino in as rentals. Help solidify bottom six. Benino can help with PK. I don't know about the Benino one. No. Um, 
middle six forward. You just said that they can keep past this year and an NHL defenseman so they don't have to play McDermott or England in the playoffs. That sounds almost exactly like what you just said, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I don't have a problem playing England, but um, me either. But other than that, yes. Uh, I, I think England had some pretty high profile mistakes that people are focused on, but, and, and that makes sense, but he's really tamped those down and I like his play. And listen, this is hard for me to say, but Curtis McDermott has been playing within himself lately. And it's like, he's okay. Yeah. If he's not <laughs> hunting, if he's not like overreaching, he has like one brutal turnover a game. And, mm-hmm. and every time that happens, like, let's like get him out of there. Yeah. Like... Um, <laughs> say it again. Sorry. Let's say that turnover in the Tampa game is, is just burned oh, into my that memory. That one was where, so like, bad. And, and, would... I, and I want to be clear, like England is the guy I'm okay with. McDermott, I do yeah. want to, but both of them are like, they're doing their jobs lately. It's, it's, uh, uh, I wrote it in the weekly grades recently. I, I was like ready to say Curtis McDermott deserves some praise this week. And then he had that Tampa turnover. So, um, <laughs> I think like your thumb was just over the button. Like, okay, I'm wrong. This guy's okay. And then he was terrible. Um, but, but, but yeah, I, I think, I think England deserves more praise than he's, uh, he's getting recently. Yeah, I agree. And, and I don't know, Evan, what do you think of those results? Do you, I, I feel like, Everybody wants to see, I mean, maybe not everybody, but some want to see a guy like Kane in an avalanche sweater, but that's like NHL, that's like La La Land stuff, don't you think? Yeah, right, that is, no. that's, that's stuff you do in video games. Yeah, exactly, yeah, and you, that that's why I'm with Ezra in, in the, you know, acquire a, a, a depth player, probably, um, like I said, well, We'll get into that more. I know I just had a piece come out about it earlier this yeah, morning you got that, I, to say. that I really like. So we'll get into more of that later. But that's that's where I'll leave it for now for that. Yeah, just keep just get a depth depth guy. I think that's just really what will help the abs at least right now in this moment. And and Jackie, does does losing EJ exacerbate the need for a depth defender kind of in your mind? Um. Yes and no. I could see to them because they always seem to want to have good defensive depth, at least in quantity. And they know that there's like nothing else on the Eagles. So it, I mean, not counting Brad Hunt, like they're comfortable bringing him back, but, but yeah, but anybody that had been on the Eagles, let's just say. Right. Uh, So, so you've got Brad Hunt, you've got England, you know that they are comfortable using McDermott uh, in some capacity. So is that enough? And I'd say yes. And it's like, there's guys out there like Jack Johnson, they could bring back some other, you know, maybe like a Kulikov. And then the question is, how much better are they really? Like, is Jack Johnson that much better than England? Right. And they didn't play Jack Johnson much in the playoffs last year. You played like seven, eight minutes a night. You know, could you get that out of England and, and still feel comfortable? My answer would be yes. I'm not exactly sure that their answer is yes, but um. But yeah, it just doesn't seem the year that they really need to spend in that direction. It, it seems like a very likely move that they would make, but it does also feel redundant. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I, I think we, we've talked a little bit here about uh, uh, the potential of making a big splash. And um, obviously that's what people responding to our poll wanted. But it, Evan, let's get into what you wrote a little bit because yeah. I don't really see that there's a lot out there as an option obviously Horvat was a discussion it with EJ on our IR maybe that would have been possible but he's gone uh O'Reilly's gone personally I'm fine with that I didn't think either one of them made a lot of sense right. but um yeah who who did you think who did you identify in your P7 yeah so I mean I think kind of the the, the first place to start is that you know we've already kind of touched on it already is that assets are are you know, thin already with the abs, it's going to be hard to make trades. And the really main reason why this is, you know, coming up, especially now in the first place is because of EJ going possibly on LTIR and missing for the, missing the rest of the season. Otherwise I don't think the abs would be doing much of anything at all, except if it was a straight player swap um, during this trade deadline. But um, you know, as you already said, there, there had been discussions and, and link linkages with with Horvat with O'Reilly, um, but both of them are now off the board. Um, Jonathan Taze was there for a little bit too, but he's you know dealing with long COVID stuff. Um, which you know, first off, obviously get well soon. Health is the most important thing. Um, mm-hmm. That that really really sucks for the Blackhawks captain. 
Um, so it, you know, it's, he's, it's been announced that he's not going anywhere. Um, so really that leaves only like the two, I guess, big splash players left, um, for the abs. And that was Patrick Kane and Sean Monaghan. Monaghan, he is still with injuries all year long. Um, talking to Habs people, they don't even know when he's coming back from injury. So like me, you could even count him off the board right now yeah, for I'm all we know. Um, yeah, and I don't really have interest in that either. And and the same kind of goes for Patrick Patrick Kane. Like, yeah, it'd be really awesome. It would definitely be really weird to see him in an Avs jersey and not a Blackhawks jersey. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't see that happening either. I mean, his cab hit to – let me look at my piece. I'm pretty sure it's like 10, 10 and a yeah. half or something like that. Yeah. Really, really high It'd have number. to be a three-team trade basically because Ex- somebody would exactly. have to take on some of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Minnesota just did for Toronto. Exactly. At least it's prorated. I mean, it depends how much room they had because at least it's prorated. True. So then, if you're looking at five point two five, prorated or if they that they, they'd have to retain too, and then with the mm-hmm. proration, I think they could make it work. But, um, but yeah, it's still like a huge number to fit in, and and there could be sh- some shenanigans. Not to yeah. mention that might be kind of distracting, right? <laughs> like it might. I do think too, like yeah. it, it'd be everything about like, oh, Kane's never played anywhere else, and it it would be fun. But yeah, as Evan was describing it, it it would be fun to a point. But then at the other point, it would be like, it's not about him; it's about the abs. Right. It's about the the guys that have earned the right to carry the day: McKinnon, McCarr, Rantanen, and like we don't need a Patrick Kane. Yeah, yeah. and you you actually lead on to my next point really greatly, Jackie, because. Um, the guys that I had listed and like, you know, I know we just, we've discussed it already in here, at least a little bit are some of the guys that I think the Avs should be looking at to bring in there. Um, so I listed out five in the article. I'm going to talk about four of them and then talk about a fifth one that is not on this list. So Nick Bukestad from the Coyotes, I think he would be a great fit. Um, you know, 13 goals, 10 assists this year. Um, with, with Arizona, um, with Arizona struggling, of course, um, you know, he, the, he, people might be interested in him and the, I hope the abs are his cap. hits only 900 K he's cool. a UFA at the end of this season. Like I, I'm yeah, it hits all the boxes. Chris McFarlane. I know <laughs> yeah. like it hits the boxes. That it would be, be so great. It, it's such a, a, a repeat of the Nico Sturm move, just a, a big body who plays well, who can move, who can, who can add some value. I think he's a better player than Nico Sturm, but I, I think that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. yeah, I mean that that would be the hope too is that he would you know turn out a little bit better than Nico Sturm and then Nico wouldn't be stuck in I think San Jose right San Jose, where he's at yeah. now. So yeah, um, making good money, good for him. Yeah, he got paid. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, what you get when you win the cup, uh, Jackie? You know you're gonna like this, um, Ivan Barbashev. I know that you've been a big um, person to you know yelling from the rooftops to bring him over. I will also agree with that. Again, another depth piece. Um, the Blues are selling off. They've already sold off Tarasenko. They've already sold off O'Reilly. Why not get Barbashev? Question. His cap's a little bit higher. Yeah. Will Blue? Will the Blues ever trade inside the division, though? That's yeah. They're they're not going to the do the Avs any favors, but at least like the big names are are out. Like at that that's point, true. they're just trying to move their depth guys. Like, are you really going to uh, take Barbashev? Yeah, for yeah, a, I got you. For a rental, I think they would. Yeah. Yeah, and the Blues yeah. are already done playing the Avs this season. Yeah. So. Oh, good point. You know it. Maybe, maybe, but yeah. you do bring up a good point about that. His cap hit is a little bit higher. It's a 2.25 million. So that would be, you know, you'd have to work around that at least. That's a little still bit affordable. More, I'd say it's still I do worry a little affordable. bit how he's kind of become the best of the what's left over. I, I think he might. Um, I've heard the blues want like a second and then like a decent prospect for him, which they obviously, mm. obviously don't have like, sure. They have their 2025 second, but another team out there is, is going to be able to, offer either this or next year draft capital so um they're not going to be in the race if he's really going to fetch a second so i do worry that he's become a tad bit more expensive but uh, but he's not one of those grit you know big reputation guys let's be honest some russians still sometimes can have their um maybe not every gm out there is a huge fan of russians and so that could limit his market and so i think he's a guy where if the market doesn't materialize like the blues are hoping and he's not one of the, the first guys on the list and he starts to linger, then I think he'd be a great fit. Um, but if they can really get that second for him, then like, there's no way the abs are going to do it. 
Yeah. And so, you know, it, it all kind of comes back to the same issue of the apps don't have a lot to, to, you know, give out and, and make trades. Right. Um, which also actually on that front too, just don't trade away the first round pick. Yeah. Like, I think, I think we're all don't. in agreement. It's just not worth it. The rentals not aren't worth it. worth it. Kane's not worth it. Unless they can get a deal out there, you know, let's say Timo Meyer is probably like the That's real the big fish. Yeah. Sure. But um or or something, any good young player that they're gonna sign long term. So I wouldn't say it's like untouchable because there's you can definitely come up with a scenario, but just yeah. Timo Meyer would burn it. <laughs> yeah, Timo Meyer would almost require a first. You'd almost require probably a guy like Newhook somebody or else for and yeah. and and a couple more picks or a prospect too so like that's probably yeah. not in the avalanche best interest one of the guys that i put out on like i was doing a bunch of mock trades on cap friendly just to be a dork um and i did one for luke shin um i probably gave too much for him in my cap friendly trade i think i did a, a second and shane so like I think you could probably take Shane off altogether and maybe get him just for a second. Luke Shen with uh Josh Manson would be pretty cool, I think. In terms of like a, a complete shutdown line. What do you think of that, Ezra? Well, I think that that's too rich for for me for a second is too much for me for, for So Luke a third? Shen. Would you do a third? I, I could I could get behind a third because that's I think their asking just, price. Apparently, is a third of what I've heard. I think they need to keep those if they ever <laughs> want to do a Lekin and type of Taze type of deal. Anyway, like that's the yeah. stuff you need to keep around to even be shopping in that kind of right. aisle. And well, because for Lekin it was a second in Baron, right? Right. Yeah. So they so they have the twenty twenty five second and third, and it's like yes, they could move them this year, but. They just would be so devalued, and like that's the only thing they're going to have to be able to kind of do that RFA shopping in that's the fair. future. Yeah. And so for me, I I really don't want to see those picks go unless it's for like that type of deal where they're getting a young player and they're going to be able to keep him. So fair I, they just have to be so careful with everything right now. I think. And I just don't see Shen as that big of an upgrade on an England. Okay. Uh, uh, he is more of a commodity than England. And that's why he's sought after you know, a popular tr- yeah. ad right now. But I feel like the defense market is broken. Like what we're seeing with like Vlad Gavrikov. And obviously we've seen it in the past couple of b- deadlines with all these other guys that went for crazy Ben Chirot, uh, yeah. uh, uh The other guy from Columbus who went to Tampa, whose name I'm forgetting right now. I, I just, I think I want to stay out of that and just go with the depth at at defense just in case of an injury, but not anybody who's being talked about because they're going to cost way more than they're worth. It happens every year and I'd stay way out of that market. Premium. Definitely. Yeah. And we, and we've, we've seen that with Jacob Titrin, right? He, he's been out of the lineup now for two weeks, you know, supposedly, supposedly for a trade, it seemed like that he was going to the Kings and now it's just like, nobody knows. Right. So, you know, but you know, Jacob Tritrin is not on my list. He's not coming to the Avs. I don't see that. No, he's not. But he uh, is somebody who, like, right. if for some reason he was coming to the Avs for a reasonable price, I'd be cool with. That's somebody on the defense market that's different. Uh, guys that's who true. who are third pair guys who are not going to do much. I have no interest in that. Yeah, yeah. and that's then fair. you know, back back to more more Coyote players. Um, these ones I'll go through quickly. Um, Nick Schmaltz, another Nick um, on the Coyotes, would be really great, but he's under contract until twenty twenty six with a five point eight five million cap hit. That one, you'd have to have a whole lot more to get him out of Arizona. Arizona is probably going to want to build around him. I don't think that's going to happen. That's kind of a long shot. Um, Jack Johnson, we've already touched on him a little bit. Um, I, It would be nice, but I just don't I don't think so. And I also agree with you, Ezra. I think England is has slotted in well. Throw Brad Hunt into that mix, too. Agreed. Um, you know, I don't I don't think I, I don't think the defensive depth is is something that we should be going for now. It was obviously a concern earlier in the year, but I think England and Hunt have proven themselves to feel like that Bednar could be comfortable enough to fall back on them should needed. Now, if McCarr and Taves and Byram, knock on wood, all go down, then maybe you have to do something. <laughs> yes, right? You're not Sell the anyway. franchise. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, and then I mentioned Nick, Nick Ritchie, but you know, whatever. I I just kind of threw that one out there. Well, you mentioned um, Richie. What do you think of Henrique? Is he too old and too expensive? 
Henrique. And he also got injured, they, possibly. The the injury the injury's the concern to me. Um I didn't really look into Henrique all that much. So I I don't I I guess I don't have 33 year old center, uh five and a half AAV. And uh, and he's signed for next year, so I yeah. I get the logic. Like he's a yeah. popular suggestion out there. I understand the logic because if you get half retained on him, then he's I mean he's not a second line center, but you could you could probably feel comfortable saying he's like third line yeah. center. He's kind of like comfort, like right in between. And and, he's and then successful on the wing this year too, which adds versatility. Yeah, that's true. And then he's signed for next year, so that's. If it was just for like a rental thing, I'd be like, no. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about, okay, you could have this guy and he'd be making like two point whatever for next year. He's somebody you could slot in. Like they're not getting anybody on the market at that price next year. Right. So I see the logic. Like that that does feel like something the Avs would be interested in, like some sort of play like that. But then yeah. the question just becomes then what's the return? Like I'm not interested in doing a first for that. So then you get back into like okay, well, what are you going to give up for that? For them retaining for this year and next, you're going to have to give them something, you know, are the 2025 picks in play for this? You know, if you don't, is, is there enough for that? And that that's kind of the problem I have. I Because I, I, I'm not comfortable going there for a first. And if you're not, is a deal workable? Maybe, maybe not. So I'm kind of lukewarm on that idea. I, it, it's workable, but I, I'd really want to know how. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that sentiment, I think. So, you know, wait and see, I guess. Um, but then the last guy I want to talk about, I know I've been talking for a long time and people probably want me to shut up. So I don't no, no, wait. it's been but, perfect. <laughs> I've uh, after this too. I was going to say, the the last person I want to talk about and, you know, just announced, or just announced, but just like, just seen today, um, Ramika Rantanen's comments on Jesse Pugliarvi. Interesting. Um, which would be, I mean, I had the I had the quotes pulled up on my phone here. So according to Anthony Pugliarvi, would fit in with the team, the friends who won the World Junior Gold together, stayed in touch during the season. Um, Miko said, "I've been thinking the exact same thing. Uh, you know, I know what a great guy he is. I would welcome him with open arms. It'd be a fresh start for him with a good dressing room and a good support around him. I believe it would definitely work." Um, and I, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Rantanen also said similar things about Lekkonen he did. before he was traded here, right? Yeah. So if Rantanen is saying these things and these good things, and you know, I'm sure these comments are probably going to reach Bulliarvi if I had to guess. Oh yeah. Um, Edmonton, Edmonton's all over the place. It's just like they always are. Um, up they're there in, in such Alberta, a weird so spot. They're in such a weird spot. And Bulliarvi, I know he was held out of the lineup at least a couple of times earlier this season. Um, just because of you know some rumors or something like that um and i think that would also be a great fit for the abs if they can find a way to make that work um that would be that would be wonderful um take take away from another western conference team take away from a team that is also in the playoff race with you um he's 24 more depth some like you know still pretty young like i I think he also checks all the boxes. I don't know exactly what his cap hit is off the top of my head. It's three million. Um, say, that's million. kind of the problem. Yeah. And he has three million dollar qualifying. Ooh. Yeah. So you know, yeah. it 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 almost checks all of the boxes. <laughs> um, but you know, I hey, if if this if if it's pulled off, if Chris McFarland's able to get on the phone and and you know be able to work some sort of deal out with the Oilers um and bring Puliarvi over. I think that'd be great. I I think he'd be a great fit. I don't know what you all think, but you know, maybe maybe after he retires, Rantanen could be a good scout. <laughs> yeah. Rantanen just wants more fins, right? Yeah, I was say. <laughs> he just wants more fins. Yeah, I love that. But... I don't think it's ever been in question that he's not like a good guy or, or whatever. But I mean, sure, it, if Rantanen vouches that that he'd fit in good, I mean, that's cool. But like, um. I figure he'd be kind of positive just about anybody that he knows well, but um, I, the pull year everyone's tough for me. Like, I feel like the deadline is for known quantities. Like you teams are getting like guys that PK and take face offs and have been in the playoffs and have produced in the playoffs or big names. And, you know, you're like buying reputation basically. And right now his reputation is pretty not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So it just, I don't see them, like I could see them signing Pugliari if it's like late August and nobody signed him and take a flyer on him. And then and then he's like their project for the year. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that they are going to take on a project right now, especially that cap hit. And then if it works out, then you've got to give him a $3 million qualifying offer. And it's like, yeah, but he could sign an extension for less, but then you, you got to sign him an extension with term and blah, blah, blah. So, um, when he already went to arbitration, right? That's how he got the $3 million um, qualifying offer. If I remember correct. I, I don't quite, I don't remember exactly his situation. Maybe because he did go back to Finland and, um, you know, that, that was part of the situation too. So I don't know. I mean, he just really doesn't produce much. And I know his fans say it's because of his usage and we've been down that road and we have plenty of guys on our team that don't produce. And, you know, I think everybody should get a fresh start because you never know, but it it depends. Like, what do you want to pay for a fresh start? You want to pay the 3 million and, and they're about to waive him because Mm -hmm, they're getting so desperate. (laughs) Well, I think he can clear waivers. I don't think anybody wants to pay him $3 million. I I can't imagine he clear waivers, but maybe I do. I do agree with you completely. I think like taking a flyer on him next year makes a ton of sense and bringing him in right now is a little dicier. I'd love to see him hit waivers. I, I would make that claim, I think. Cause... I think I would, too. The, I mean, the thing that worries me about Pugliarvi is that, you know, I've seen some people compare him to Nachushkin and that, you know, his top 10 pick hasn't really done much offensively. But if you look at, you know, his defensive metrics, he's he's got some good, uh, you know, good numbers. And so some people think that he could be, a you know, a, a similar reclamation project. But you know, for a team like Edmonton that is just so desperate to find any type of defensive cohesion, like anybody who can just play defense, period, and, you know, guard the leads that, uh, you know, McDavid is able to get for that team, if they're just going to outright release him, like, you know, how much value do, does he really have? Because yeah. a team like Edmonton, you I mean, you they would figure him. that, like, hey, if this if this guy is, you know, a, a solid bottom six type who can play play some decent defense. That not that a type of guy that Edmund, Edmonton needs right now? And but so, they're so old school. Like, if that guy was 33 years old, and <laughs> they'd be all over <laughs> yeah, But yeah. because yeah. he's a failed... <laughs> yeah. If he didn't wear a shield. Yeah, the Edmonton dysfunction in, in, yeah. into that, too. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They're, they're very old school. Yeah. Like, they, they want their defensive guys to be, like, big mm-hmm. and old and, and lead in hits and block shots and all that stuff like he's a failed third overall pick and so and we see how that goes like when you don't meet expectations and and you never know and it's true he could be another nuke he could be another yakupov like there's other ones yeah. that haven't yeah, made it that good were point. high picks leah sanderson like kravitsov mm-hmm. is in the same situation like these teams don't want to just outright get rid of these guys but it's like they also really don't have any value either well, like their pedigree is their only value and yeah. so they end up getting traded for each other because then it's kind of like, well, you try. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you're you're kind of getting the same box in return. Mm-hmm. And so you're just kind of hoping like nuke was basically a miracle. I don't think that's ever happening again. Yeah, no, but it's also it, the it, only way to do it because you got him for $850,000 for a year, not 3 million. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And so I just think like, I definitely think he's worthy of a fresh start, but I think it's just going to have to come in that Avenue. Yeah. Um, the Oilers are just gonna have to suck it up and like release him or whatever, just not sign him because um, you can only hold on to hope for that for so long. And so, uh, like, I wouldn't mind trying it. Like, sure, it's worth trying it every year, but then you're also doing it at the expense of like guys you're allegedly developing, and you know they're not gonna get another nuke. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just it's it's kind of a tough situation. I don't know. Just just a thought. I think if the Avs do any big move, I feel like Pooley Arby might be the biggest one. I, I agree with that. that. Would, yeah, I think I don't think... That'd be the farthest I'd go. That's a, that's that's the farthest I see him go. The other name I want to throw out there that would be kind of a big move in a similar vein would be Jacob Verona. You guys Ooh. have any interest in that? Yeah. I, I love that's his That's an play interesting style. one. I would I would love the fit. Because he's he's had the 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 issues that he's had the player assistance i think they have said it's substance abuse yeah. so we just don't know it's rough. i mean it, it really would have to just depend on what his situation is how he's doing i that's just nothing any of us on the outside could tell i know that detroit right. just called him up and showcasing him 
but he, I do I see the I see the appeal because he he can put the puck in the back of the net. He can play well at five on five, which is what the Avs are desperately needing. Uh, He's kind of the Andre Burakovsky replacement that the team seems yeah. like he's that depth scoring uh, guy who can just fill up the, the net when he gets going. Uh, another, I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be expensive, but I think it'd be cool. Well, he's another, was he the 13th overall pick in 2014? So, like, it's crazy how many first-round picks we're talking about today in terms of, like, being not what they were expected to be. And because yeah. of that, somehow they're trade targets, right? So that that goes to show, like, what getting drafted high will do for, for your entire career. And just to kind of segue that, I know, Jackie, you have a lot to say um, <laughs> about how the Martin Kaut situation ended. Um, he, you know, he's a high draft pick for the Avalanche that just didn't shake out. Um, it's according to the comments, which I let, I read the entire quote from Martin Kaut, and I think there was some extrapolating done. I don't think he actually said, like, I, w- I asked for a trade in my draft year. Like, that's not the case. He said he asked for a trade five different times. We don't know the time frame. Nonetheless, what do you think of his comments, Jackie, and how do you feel about how the situation ended with Kaut? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, I think those got read in a little bit too much. I, I don't think there's any way that he asked for a trade after he was drafted. I mean, he agreed to come over and sign a five-year ELC and play in the AHL. Like yeah, he, yeah. he was definitely not against the organization. Um, and, you know, he he's still working his way through learning English. Like, I think he gets taken, like, very literally in what he says sometimes, like, like people love to, to talk about what he said after uh, training camp about it. Like this was like his last chance. And it meant that like he was giving up on hockey or just some other just ridiculous things. And it's like, he's not trying to say these things, you know, he might yeah. just not quite have the words to put things in other ways that maybe some North Americans would. So Agreed. I think, you know, it's just easier to like read into what he's saying. And, and I watched the interview too. And, um, so uh, it doesn't surprise me to ask for a trade. Actually, it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of the Avs prospects ask for a trade. Like, you know, how does Shane Bowers feel? <laughs> yeah, those forwards. Um, yeah, and and we know it. that um, his counterpart, Ryan Merkley, had asked for a trade. And it was such a bad situation, he actually sat at home over it. So, wow. uh, you know, I don't really don't think anyone should be throwing stones at Cout because he asked for a trade. Well, um, they both – I mean – I feel like also on the other side of that, like the organization can't really be, you can't say like, Oh, why didn't they get rid of him sooner? Well, it's like they put him on waivers twice. So, and I know that there's stipulations to his contract that might've swayed people. Like he would have had to have played in the NHL right away, but still he was available twice. um, And then they finally got him out to a place that both guys needed a change of scenery. So although it took time, I feel like the organization did the right thing by him still. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Uh, but you're right. I mean, once you've cleared waivers, it's it's a little hard to Have argue value leverage, there. Yeah. So, so right, you're looking for like for like, which is what they found exactly, and happened to be the same draft class, five picks away from each other, whatever it is. So it it, it goes back to that same like pedigree, you know, like for like. Mm-hmm. But um, but as far as him like asking, so. And then he goes on to say it was because he was playing with defensemen on his line, which is true, and that it's hard on a contender to really break into those higher lines, which is also very true. Um, he also you know, played a lot say, with Newhook, though. He played, I think he played the most He did most get his chances. I mean, yeah. it's not like he got no chance. I mean, that is true. He did play with Newhook and Erod, but that line was kind of dysfunctional. Like, there's a reason why Newhook and Erod are not playing <laughs> yeah, together right exactly. now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but true, it's not like he he didn't get a chance this year. I think this is the year that you could finally say like, okay, he did get it like 30 games, the majority of the season to that point. Um, but they still couldn't make it work. And so I agree with the fresh start and moving him, but I can also see the frustrations. I mean, he really did play with McDonald and McDermott yeah. as well. And, <laughs> yeah. and four and five minutes, a lot of games and, um, no, I, I also wonder if it goes back to when they didn't invite him after his second year and he, that was his first call up and he played so well mm-hmm. right before the COVID shutdown. And then they didn't invite him to the Edmonton bubble. Like yeah. it wasn't even that. And it's because 
if he'd played one more game, it would have burned his ELC. And everyone thought that meant they valued him so much. And, and, uh, you know, they were just protecting him, but like, they didn't even bring him. Like, it's one thing, bring him and then decide, right? I mean, they brought Bowers for goodness sake. And they definitely were not going to play him under any circumstances. So, you know, if he got any bad feelings from the organization, I could see it could have been after that. And I think he would have been justified. And they probably should have moved him then if they didn't really think that he was a great fit for Bednar and the system. And he would have had value because he would have been like 20 years old at that point. Yeah. But, um, it does seem like Sackick liked him. Like Sackick talked to him personally a lot. So I think Sackick still believed in him is maybe why they really didn't try to get rid of him at that point. And so, but the abs tend to hold on to their assets a little too long. And I know it's, it's a dance, right? You don't want to just start throwing away young players like the Chicago Blackhawks do. They throw away like every pick that they've drafted (laughs) and it's not getting them anywhere. So I get that it's also like a hindsight thing, but they really got to figure out on these guys. Like if there's no fit, you got to do something before they get waived and then you trade them for other busts, you know? (laughs) So that's my thinking of it, but I'm glad that he got the call up. It seems like he's staying in San Jose, at least for now. Um, He probably will stay once they start getting rid of more people. Mm -hmm. So, um, (laughs) you know, this is a chance for him and I wish him luck. Mile high hockey Mile high hockey mile. Mile high hockey mile.